Welcome back, Rebels. Welcome back. I'm going to bring up a difficult topic that no one ever wants to talk about. Money. Yeah, that's always an interesting topic. And it is weird that no one ever wants to talk about it because I feel like it's one of the most important things that makes the world go round. Yeah, everyone's really shy and secretive about it. Yeah, no one wants to say what they earn. People lose friends over it, uh, especially family members. Like that's that's one yeah. of the, the key button. And I think a lot of it comes down to this shame that has been developed around having open and honest discussions about money. And I think that a lot of that, uh, I sound like a, like a tin foil hat wearing like conspiracy <laughs> theorist. But honestly, I think that we are made to bit feel shy about talking about money so that we don't have these conversations so that big business like because the last thing a boss wants is all the employees to discuss how they're making i mean not within our company because it's completely transparent and we can have those conversations if people want to but um i think a lot of places that aren't paying their staff fairly make it a shameful conversation so that the conversation doesn't take place almost if you're earning a lot and you know someone else isn't earning as much you don't want to say how much you earn because you don't want other people to feel bad yeah and i think that happens a lot as well and especially like creatives people won't want to like say that they're earning money from the art because it's supposed to be this passion thing and then there's a phrase of like selling out which like obviously no one wants to sell out it's such bullshit though isn't it i mean artists have been paid since the beginning of time in fact i think it was da vinci was like really really wealthy and it's only in the past sort of 30, 40, 50 years that it's become this weird thing to talk about money and being an artist. And in 1980s movies, if you want to portray a loser, then you always portray the artist as the as the guy that the dad never wants his daughter to date. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think one of the, the main issues that creatives face is because they enjoy doing the thing that they do, they f- then feel bad charging for it. But I understand that. I feel like for myself, like, because I've always drawn, I've always like, been creative, like growing up, I feel like you are slowly doing things and it's like if someone offers to buy you something like when you're a kid I feel like if someone says to I remember doing a commission for someone when I was like probably like year seven at school or something like really young and I think I got like 50 pounds for it and I was like oh my god this is so much money like I'm getting paid to do something I like and I've got 50 pounds this is amazing and I feel like as you get older you kind of don't lose that mentality of like oh well it's only it's for a friend like if i'm just going to do a painting for one of my mates like i shouldn't really charge them for that as your experience grows and you start to do things that could be for people you don't know you still have that mentality of like well this is how much i should charge because this is how much i've been charging for this for the past however many years i'm sure that a lot of creatives if they sat down with a calculator and actually put in the time that they've spent on whatever it is that they're creating and then worked out how much that would be if they were working a regular job will probably find that they're earning less from their creativity than they are at, at like a minimum wage job stacking shelves somewhere. Oh, completely. Like I, I can definitely relate to that. Like being that like young kid doing that for yeah. 50 pounds probably took me like 15 hours or something. I was probably on like I probably could have got the same if I went and did like a paper round, like round mine, because like they never really paid too much. I think it is important as a creative to work out what you need to survive, because it's like if you're going to turn this into a career, you're going to need there's things that need to be paid for, like your rent needs to be paid. You need to eat that month. If you've got a studio that needs to be paid for your art materials and art materials are expensive. Actually, most creative materials are generally expensive, whether it's like cameras, kind of like paint, like things are just 
it's a really expensive task. I remember like doing interior architecture at uni and they were like, okay, first week, go and buy all these things. And I was like, okay, cool. Got to the art shop and I was like, wow, this set of pens is like 50 pounds for five pens. I was like, well, I'm not going to get those ones. I'm going to go and buy some cheaper ones that look like they'll do pretty much the same job. Yeah, it's all of those expenses that you don't realise are expenses and those all need to be calculated into the job. And what I always say to people as well is always have a contingency fund, which is a lesson that we've learned the hard way in business, is that if you don't have this kind of emergency money, which you can then if you don't spend it, can become profit. But if you don't have it there and then all of a sudden, oh, I need to... Like yesterday we had a job. We had to courier a hard drive with loads of footage on it from East London to Chelmsford. Had we not had our contingency money within there, that would have just come out of our profits. And at the time on a bike, it was like over 100 quid. And you you have to realise that those things are going to happen. Things that you haven't planned for are going to come up and you've got you've got to cover that otherwise it's just going to come out of your your profit and then you're going to end up making zero on a job what happens a lot when people first get started in in creative roles is the fact that they don't they think that if they charge too much then they just won't get the job and i feel like people then revert back to well actually i'm only going to work for 50 pounds for this whole piece of artwork because if not i might not get it and so what that does is that hurts the industry that you're in because everyone realizes, oh, I can just go and get this for a much cheaper price. It devalues your work that that you're doing. Mm. Yeah. And, and what that does is that hurts your industry because it, it can lower the rates of that people are paying for things. And I, I think you should either be working for full price or working for free. I don't think there should really be much of a middle ground. I think that's really great advice and I've never actually heard that before. I feel like that is such a great way to look at it. Like work for the price that you actually need and you work that out by working out, okay, well, what do I need to survive? So what do I need to do to cover rent, to cover my food, to cover all the materials, cover everything that I need to have a bit of fun within that year? Because it's like there are going to be expenses and you need to treat it like it's an actual job. So to work that out and then work out, well, if I'm how many pieces can I produce in a year? If I can create 40 pieces in a year, then and I need, for example, for easy maths, 40 grand to survive, then I need to charge a thousand pounds for each one of my pieces. And that's going to sustain me and keep going forward. If you can charge more for that, then that's going to give you an actual buffer to help grow in the future. I think the problem with most, with what most people do is that they have a kind of a scarcity mindset and they feel like if I charge cheaper, then I'll get more clients. And I think it's better that you spend your energy getting one client that's going to pay you a thousand pounds than 10 clients that are going to pay you a hundred pounds because the amount of time that it takes to get all of those 10 clients is going to be vastly more than the time it took to get the one client and you're going to get exactly the same amount of money. Yeah. And the one thing I think that we've really learned in business is the fact that like the fact on our staff, we've got loads of project managers because that's what takes up a lot of the time. Like if you're going to create a commission for someone, if you're going to create an artwork of or work for someone in any kind of service-based role, there's going to be that time spent dealing with a client. So if you've got 50 clients you have to deal with every day, you're not going to have any time to do anything else. Whereas if you can find one client who can pay you 50 times the amount of those other people, then it's like there's so much less time on admin and more time doing what you should be doing, like doing that creative skill. And whatever it is you do, there is someone who is charging 10x for what you do. Yeah. Whether it's a yoga teacher there's someone who will only work with 10 clients a year. I guarantee there's a yoga teacher that will only work with 10 clients a year, probably got Tom Cruise as a as an as a client. Yeah. And 
literally whatever it is you do, there's going to be someone who is at the top of that field. And that person is going to have so much less stress in their life and be able to enjoy things so much better because they're not running around chasing the little scraps off the table. They are only working with with big people who can afford them. So something really important to do is to start working out, okay, well, if I do need this amount of money per item, who can afford that? And then start looking in areas where those people exist. If you don't know anyone in those areas yet, it's building those connections and getting yourself into those areas. Like it might not come overnight. Well, it probably won't. It's going to take a bit of time, a bit of hard work. But positioning yourself in those environments where you can actually sell things for what you need to do to turn this into a career is so, so important. I think that's one thing that we've learned a lot. I think another interesting lesson as well, and it's, a, it's sort of a new discovery from us and it's what the, this podcast is based on, is the, the, the value system of business. So we created this podcast that we give away for free every single week. We don't charge people for it. We give away all of our knowledge, but we charge brands to run fun partnerships with. And we've actually... This episode is one of those partnerships. This is one of those partnerships. So we've partnered with Adobe on the next eight episodes to bring you some like amazing content. They've helped us get some amazing guests. And we've also got a competition at the end of every episode over the next eight weeks that will give you three years worth of Adobe subscriptions, which are worth like a few hundred quid and also mentoring sessions with us. So if you want to win a full year's worth of Adobe Creative Cloud, like definitely listen to the end because they've got some great competitions coming up. Yeah, I I think for us, we've always said that when we do brand partnerships, they have to bring value to our audience. Yeah. And I think this is such an extreme version of that. Um, We like, we honestly do use Adobe products every single day for all of our businesses. But I think the main thing here is if you do get involved in these competitions, that is going to potentially put you on the radar of one of the biggest companies in the world. And I would love if some of these competition entries ended up getting some of our listeners some opportunities to work with one of the biggest brands in the world. So um, definitely check out the the info on the competition coming up at the end of this episode, which is with the absolute legend, Jamal Edwards. What a great guest to start this little mini series with. Like really, really interesting. And it was great to sit down with Jamal, who we actually met like years ago to, to have this conversation. Yeah, he's he's such an interesting dude. And he has always had that that this self-belief thing. I know he's written a book about it. He always talks about it. Yeah. Um, but he, it reminds me so much of when we started, the little things that he used to do. Like we used we got stickers printed out of our company and we put them on every single lamppost across London, all across the tubes. I remember when we used to we used to have clients um, saying to us, didn't we? Like, I saw your um, logo on the on the escalator at whatever train station. And so, and it was just those little things of trying to get noticed in the beginning. And Jamal did exactly the same thing. Like he, he used to go to the Apple store on his lunch break at work and change all of the screensavers to, to BSBTV. Yeah. It's like just proper hustling, like anything you can do to get attention on your brand. And I, I, like, I just relate to that. So let's get into this episode. Yes. Jamal Edwards is an entrepreneur, a videographer and founder of the music platform SBTV. Jamal started making videos when he was just 15 years old, combining his newfound love of video making with his existing love of music, and he started just filming local artists. Jamal hustled hard, regularly making videos while working at Top Man to pay the bills. Under Jamal's vision, SBTV grew massively, and today the channel has over 1 million subscribers on YouTube and has helped launch the careers of several artists. In this episode, we talk about money, self-belief, and surrounding yourself with the right people. 
Because if you surround yourself with people that are like go-getters, like having that fear of failure, it's not going to affect you that much. How's it going, man? How's your lockdown? Um, yeah, in my lockdown, I've sort of had ups and downs. I think for me, because my life is so busy, it's just a good time to just stop and reevaluate a lot of things, uh, what I could do better, and and just like stopping, literally completely stopping. I don't think I've had uh, a chance in the past, I don't know how many ever years that I've been doing this for, um, where I've just stopped completely. So you've taken a proper break then? Yeah, yeah, really. Like work, work sort of became stagnant, but for me, I was able to think of new content ideas that I wanted to do because that was a, a big part of moving so much, not being able to stop and reevaluate everything. So now I was able to like come up with content ideas, like reformat the team, like probably just get everything organized. So when we come out of lockdown, we can hit the ground running. Whereas before I was trying to ground running with doing 101 different things. So it was good to be able to like stop and, and, and breathe for a little bit. Yeah, I always find like taking that break is really important. I find it m in myself, like if I go away for a week or two, I'm there and I just like, because you have that separation, you do allow yourself to have the time to think of new things. And then it gets you excited and really motivated for when you get back into it, because you're just like, I can't wait to go now. Mm, yeah, I think that, yeah, that's basically exactly how, how I feel, how I feel. Because like some people on my team have been like, this is actually a blessing. Like you can actually just stop, like no one's doing anything. Um, you can just like get back into it. Um, so I've come up with quite a good few ideas. There, there have been some big projects that I, I'd been working on that had been put on hold. But other than that, I think I'm actually quite thankful for the lockdown. Um, yeah, I, I think it's the the same for us. And all of a sudden we're, we're like put in this situation. Do you think like going forward, you might actually start to, try and take a bit more of that time because obviously when you do have that time you're going to be stronger afterwards because of the the idea formation during that time yeah 100 percent. i think it would be nice to do i've always told myself like to go away out of the country like go back to st vincent where i originally from so if i could do a lockdown over there that makes sense it's a bit of a mad one when i'm doing a lockdown here but then like i get the lockdown belly like the lockdown moves, <laughs> like, all of that. like without, without all of that i think it would be quite quite good and I think if anything I'm, I'm going to try and get into like a monthly arrangement where I do where I lock down myself so like I, I bought a few books in this period and um, I started reading them and I think yeah I want to try and do like like lockdown every month that'd be sick because it, it sort of really sort of refocuses your mind like your your the world completely stops and yeah like for someone that is so busy every day that I live my I wake up in the morning look at what's what I've got in the day and do the day it's sort of a bit of a calming thing for me yeah I love that but I think knowing you what you're going to have to do is be really disciplined with yourself to say like no I am in lockdown like you can't you can't access me during this time because you know what will happen is as soon as we get back and you'll be like oh, I was going to do lockdown once a month I'll do it next month and then it just won't <laughs> yeah yeah I know that's 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 a very true point but I'm, I'm going to try and see what happens what kind of time frame do you reckon you're going to give yourself? Like, can two days, four days, a week? Like, I think being ambitious a week, but if I could do, like, at least a few days. And I think one of the big things is, like, diet, like, what I'm eating, like, try and cook, because this Uber Eats and delivery, I must be one of the best customers in this current <laughs> area at the moment. So, like, I want to I wanna really, like, write down a few things from what I've learned from the lockdown, which is, like, I've, I've start, started cycling. I want to start skipping 
cooking, eating books, and even move yourself on social media. I found a lot of this lockdown. I've gotten, like, I've engulfed myself in social media to some point where it's kind of unhealthy. So I want to try and write down like a few rules um, and try and stick to it. I don't know if I will, but in my in my head, I want to try. I want to at least try and do it. It's difficult, isn't it? Because your whole life is social media. Mm. So, like, how do you? How are you going to take? How are you going to be able to separate kind of you, you time from work time? And because it's all it's all kind of together, isn't it? Yeah, and I I, I find the way that I, I I was thinking about that. I find the way that I could do that is literally to I've got a group on my WhatsApp, which is like some of my close friends and colleagues, and I find they're so. Like, they always update me with what's going on. So even if I didn't move myself on social media, they can always get a hold of me. And I think that's important of having, like, people that are in the world. Um, but then also making sure that when it's their time to take a break, you do the same for them. So it's, like, a good sort of partnership. Definitely. Have you um, got any book recommendations? Anything that, that hit you? Um, Shoe Dog the, by Phil Knight, I think it is. Yeah, that, that's, that's the one. Yeah. And the 50 Cent book is another which is Hustle Hard. I think it's called Hustle Hard. And I actually bought that as a physical book. The Shoe Dog is an ebook, And I, I like like the hardback copy of the 50 Cent book. I just, I don't know, I just like a physical physical copy. Yeah. Um, it's sort of like the whole like CD and digital era. It's always nice to have like a nice, good visual book collection you can see. So I, I want to try and buy more books and read more often. I think as well, it's nice to just get away from screens and have that thing that is like something to look at that isn't a piece of technology. Yeah, definitely, 100%. 100%. Yeah, I, I, I don't know about you, but I feel like books like that should would be really useful if they were part of the school curriculum. Because I know like when you were young, you've said before, like you got distracted at school and it like school really wasn't the place for you. Like you've become one of this country's like most successful, most well-known entrepreneurs, business people, what, what have you. And, but yet like school wasn't the thing that got you there. And do, do you think like if you'd had sort of more, more like tangible things where you could kind of see that journey a little bit easier, um, then, then you would have responded to school a bit better? I think so, yeah. I think like it's just being able to relate. Like if Dizzy Rascal had a book or something, because that's what I was listening to when I was younger, I, it would have been good to see his trajectory or, I don't know, I think like at school, enterprise weren't really a, thing that the teachers used to push so like even if it was like some of the favorite stores that I, I used to go to I used to buy PlayStation games and finding out about the founder how they set that up and then how they managed to scale up all the stores around yeah like, that could have been interesting but enterprise again wasn't really if I said oh yeah I want to be an entrepreneur and I remember is that teachers would just laugh at you like and be like yeah create a business yeah right <laughs> and um I've always said like I find now enterprise thank Thank God, it's more it's more embraced. I did a show for BBC called Pocket Money Pitch, and we had kids like pitching their business plans and tra- trajectories and profits made. And I was like, this is brilliant. Like I've had like eleven year old kids coming to pitch to me as I was one of the gurus, and I just find like encouraging more kids to do that is 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 fantastic. I think as well from that, like it's good for kids to fail. I think parents put kids in such a bubble where they don't allow their kids to fail in any way and they're told that they're always perfect they're always right every decision they ever make is like great whereas i think if kids started doing entrepreneurship younger then they would learn that it's okay to fail and they wouldn't be scared as soon as they get into the real world 
and things aren't as rosy as they thought they would be. Mm. I think, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I, I, I find, I think one of the big things that parents should do is like, yeah, say it's all right if you don't make it the first time, you could try again. Because I find like when I was younger, I was so scared of failure, but I always look at now like failure is a lesson learned. Like as long as you can learn from it and improve on it the next time, it's not a failure. Um, so I find, yeah, we should definitely instill, and I think it's get, definitely getting better since when, from when I was a little kid of, you know what, like dust yourself off and try again. There's that song, dust your shoulders off and try again. It's like, keep going. Um, and I find that's quite important to build out the resilience with kids, young people, just in general. And why did that change for you? Because I would now see you as someone who is massively confident enough so that you could go in up to some massive celebrity and just say, look, hi, I want to connect. Can I get your number? Yeah, I, I think that that changed when I was when I became a sort of a boss on my own terms, because it just that that allowed the self-belief, like knowing like people still appreciate what I was doing gave me that self-belief. It's like you saying, oh, I'm one of the like UK's well-known entrepreneurs. I was just like, oh, yeah, like I'm doing like I'm still doing stuff um because sometimes i sometimes it does like you, you be you get so lost in your world you just forget like what it is you're actually doing which is good and bad at the same time so i think like that the switch for me was when um people was appreciating it i was getting like millions of views some of the artists i was getting and and people um just used to be like whoa like you're doing like what you're doing is actually wicked and you're changing artists you're changing people's lives and i think that that was like gave me the like the willpower to carry on i think what was the mindset when you were having when you were getting zero views or like 10 views <laughs> um <laughs> i i was like one day it must happen <laughs> i was just like it's got it's got to carry on um so when i first started it was fun like i used to love going about everywhere, like going outside hotels, finding new artists. I was just a genuine fan of the music and I still am. But it came a time where I was making so I was making loads of videos, I was filming and it became more about the business than actually the filming and the passion of it, which I didn't necessarily get into it for all the other stuff. And that's where it, uh, my, my passion started dwindling because I was doing everything but filming and like my, I, I bought a camera like a year ago and it was, I had it in a box for like a year. Like that just shows, like I have the commitment to like invest back into doing filming, but I was so busy, I actually didn't end up doing any filming at all. So I've in lockdown, I took the time to actually set up the camera because that's one of my passions. I want to get back into actually filming uh, videos because it was like, I was doing everything but filming videos. And that was sort of a, a chore in a way, yeah. It's so funny. We see that so often. It's like you set up a business around your passion and then you end up just doing the business and paying other people to do the bit that you love. Mate. And it's like, it's hard. It's hard to get out of. That is like top. Like, and I feel like I'm procrastinating. I've not filmed a video for years consistently. That's ridiculous. Like I, like I started SB for like, and the, the first like five, six, seven years, however many years, I was always on the camera and yes, I did have a team. I, I employed people that I think that I thought, um, and they were way, way more skilled than me because they was able to finesse that so much. Whereas I had that and to take care of the business stuff and to go and secure brand deals and to go and do all my personal talks and all that sort of stuff. So it just became a lot. 
And now I really want to get back to basics. And the lockdown has sort of given me that passion to like pick up a camera again and just go out there and film. And like when I'm talking to artists, they're like, well, you're going to actually be there. What, you're going to be on the camera? I'm like, yeah, man. Like, I, that's like, that's what I started their speed doing. Like, why not? Um, so looking back then, do you reckon you would almost, if you could do it again, would you say I would keep the camera in my hand at all times? 100%. Like everyone knew me for having a camera in my hand. And I think, yeah, I, like I let other side of, I let other sides of the business take control. Um, so I would have definitely love to have kept the camera. But do you know what? I, I always had a GoPro, which was all right, but like the proper camera. And that's why now I really want to finesse like filming and just... And even if it's the basic filming, like I, I think, do you know what? At the same time, I've taken a break and it's made me hungry again because I think I was filming all the time as well. So that's a, that's a factor of it. That's a factor that plays in it as well of just um, finding my, my hunger and my passion again. Yeah, I suppose there needs to be a balance of your passion, doesn't there? Because if you do it all the time just for work, then it stops becoming enjoyable. Like you don't want to be doing that every day because the reason you got into it was to do it whenever you wanted to for the fun. But then as soon as yeah. money gets involved, the fun can kind of get lost out of it a bit. And so it is a hard one because they always say that you should never make your main passion your career. You should make your second best passion your career because then you've always got something to have as that hobby. And I feel like as a kind of creative myself, finding that second thing that I could do was really, really important. So I definitely recommend that if there is a creator out there, that they either, one, make sure that they don't lose sight of what it was they started doing for and carry, and actually include that in their business and keep doing it because they enjoy it. Or two, find a second hobby that doesn't have to make you any money that is just for fun. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I never really looked at it like that, but that's definitely a good way of looking at it. With, with filming again now, would you put it out under the SB label or would it be, are you going to look to do something kind of new with it? Um, yeah, definitely. I think I want to do things for the new decade now. So I want to rebrand everything, new ideas, um, high, high quality production, like all of that. Like even when you have like this lights that you've sent and all this, it's all like just like the quality, the levels have risen in it. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll do it still underneath SV. And I'm quite excited, like like what we talked about, I'm quite excited to like just get back at it and, and start filming again and find a new talent. I've got an abundance of new talent that I wanna film that I haven't really seen on a lot of the platforms. And that's what excites me. And that's what people know me for, of like just discovering like new music. Um, so yeah, taking it back to basics. Um, when you find a new artist, are you kind of more excited if they say like, oh, I'm making music in my bedroom as opposed to like in a studio and they've got backing behind them and all of that sort of stuff? Yeah, like we did a, quite an interesting project with Harmon, which we got producers, singers, songwriters, rappers to send in some of their stuff that they make in their bedroom. And then we award them seven and a half thousand pounds worth of studio equipment. And um, that was quite interesting. We've got like thousands of entries from all these budding people um, creating music while there was a lockdown. And I found that while there was on lockdown and I found that quite a inspiring project to do um, because the music that some of these people were produced was amazing. And then being able to give them the equipment, it's like changed their life. They're just like, oh my God. Like, so yeah, I find having this lockdown period has been able to give people more creativity to make use of what they have around them. Instead of thinking you need to be in a video studio, you need to be in a 
like in a, in a music recording studio to be able to produce something of quality content. And I literally I was speaking to Joe Wicks yesterday and I was saying like he's one of the people that like, in this lockdown period that has just come out just like you smashed it bro you smashed it already but he he said to me he had like 700k subscribers and he went from 2.5 million and he was like that's mad bro and I was like yeah man like fair play do you know what I'm saying so like people have taken use, use this lockdown period um, and have and excelled but at the same time some people haven't been able to and it's sort of affected their mental health and stuff like that which which is important to realize and notice and if you've got friends or creators or family that have been going through like some mad stuff it's just good to check in with them like I, I had a FaceTime with a few of my friends that was feeling a little bit low and just like having a face-to-face conversation with them it just sort of like lifted their mood lifted my mood it, it was it was good because not everyone has the the means or the ability to be able to do stuff um in this period so when when you are looking at a new artist, I like I always say to people the the your first thousand followers on social media are the hardest, because people kind of need to look when they go to an account they need to look at it and go, oh yeah other people think this is good so it must be good and they kind of look for that outside validation, but what you do is you you just judge people based on the talent. So like is the, are there specific things that you look for or or is it more just like a kind of feeling that you get from someone's stuff? Um I think it's mainly a lot of it's to do with the stories that people tell. Like when I talk to artists, I want to find out more about them and I've done that with a lot of artists like whether that's Dave, Rapman, Cadet, RIP. I've always said to them like tell me a little bit more about you tell me something that people don't know and like storytelling for me is like something that I've always tried to push because I find it's like I just want to go on a go in my brain like go on a visual visual journey so like when I always like when I listen to people I always get that feeling like I know hopefully I know what good music is and yeah like even if it's in another language there's an artist that I was filming called Strome who's a sick French-speaking, Belgian artist, like, unbelievable. Um, and I put him on the channel, and even though it's in another language, I just feel what he's saying. And creatively, visually, everything is just on on point. So how do people, like, how do people get over that hump and start actually telling their story? Because I think that's that's one of the things that people are the most scared to do. But, like, obviously, in your experience, you're seeing that the videos where people are telling their story and they're being more open and transparent, whether that's through their music or through an interview or whatever it is, like, those are the... That's definitely the content that's performing better. How do they, like, have that self-belief and start? Yeah. Do you think it? Do you think it is... Does it come down to self-belief of, of people, like, I don't know, fear of failure or not thinking their story's interesting or thinking that people are going to not be interested or whatever it might be? Yeah, I, th- I find... I find people now are a lot more, uh, like they like to try things out a lot more. When I first started, there was always, I think there's always going to be that fear of failure inside people. That's that's like the excited, like nervous. Like if you were super confident, like I don't know, like it's just everyone has that fear of failure, whether that's an artist jumping on stage or a footballer going to play football or I don't know, anything. So I find... It's just about the mindset that you're in and the people that you surround yourself with. Because if you surround yourself with people that are like go-getters, like having that fear of failure, it's not going to affect you that much. And I find like it is really like your surroundings, like you're like a sponge, you soak everything up. So if you can make your surroundings as like positive as possible, 
then that's going to help you change your mindset into doing it what is whatever it is that you want to do and i found that just talking from experience of my surroundings and the people that i was hanging around with when i was always hanging around people that are that sort of maybe much more successful than me it gave me that do you know what i could do that i want to be like that one day um and yeah i think that really helps me so how do you surround yourself with better people because obviously like if you want to be surrounded by loads of great entrepreneurs how do you actually get into those circles how do you make those connections um i find now like linkedin is quite a good way to make those connections like i've just like connect i've connected to so many people through there and even people that that are just starting out that message me and they're like um can i come and like shadow you for a day or like for example there was there was this one kid called where's well, a there was a there was a guy called titus that used to come outside my office like every day like just every day and there were kids out there that i like that that are just so like persistent um and yes like after a period of time we did invite him in and like we wanted to do help on some socials and whatnot and i think he even helped us on some campaigns but that was a prop that was a kid that was just proper adamant that he was just like i need to connect to jamar i need to connect with sb so that's a way of doing it stalking people stalking offices tidying up because the persistence of that just gave me like you know what like come like let's let's um let's have a chat but i find linkedin is a very good way of um it's a very good way of like connecting to either like-minded individuals or individuals that are further in their career than you i find that that quite important so take an example when i was connecting with richard branson i won well i did virgin media pioneers i pushed hard to get to like uh number one i then went to his house and got his email connected with his team and then like for years now i've had a good uh, relationship with him so you could look at that that as an example of titus coming to my office and looking at me and then me like looking at richard branson so it's like different i don't know i don't know what you call this the juxtaposition like it's nuts um so what would like what typically would you ask richard branson for advice on i find when i was asking what i asked him was just like how do you scale up i think i think what did he say this was years ago it was like as long as you can stay true to your like core audience don't don't like whatever you scale up on don't forget your core audience and because this was a time where i was filming a lot of grime i was feeling a lot of um rap music i was doing all that sort of stuff because that's what the platform was built on but i wanted to sort of branch out how could i branch out? how could i scale up so that's what filming singers and and I tried to do it in a way that it didn't alienate the original audience because those are the ones that are my foundation. Those are the ones that like, have helped me get to where I was at that certain point in time. Um, so I tried to think, how can I scale up without alienating the audience? Um, and I think he was talking about like making sure that if you do scale up, just stay true to your core. Like, what is it? What made you want to start SB? And at the end of the day, it was like discovering new talent. So yeah. Even though I'm discovering new talent as MCs and rappers, I could do the same for singers, beatboxers, football stars, artists. It's just like the world's smartest, basically. Yeah, I, I like tracking things back. I really think that 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 was like one of the things that's key to your success. So it's like we've had. I mean, we've had two previous um, staff members of yours on our podcast, Lily Mercer and uh, Georgia. Oh, is it? Um, and so <laughs> I didn't so listen we, to those episodes. Yeah, man. So Wait, we know no, about think, the early. I think I heard. Wait, did I hear George's one? I think I saw, I think I saw, George. I didn't, I never knew Lily went on it. Wow, you're doing the rounds. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
So yeah, so we know a lot about the early days of SB and the fucking shambles that it was at the beginning. But... <laughs> oh, love me! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look, man, you were you were young. You're managing people for the first time in your life. It must yeah, have been. It, it must have been a tricky situation. It, it was situation daunting, to... man. Like it was daunting, and the, like regardless if if it if it was a shambles, it gave most of the people that work for me careers and what they're doing now. So like. I I, yeah, I, yeah. I say that I was very young, like I was the youngest in my team. I, at some time I was very daunted at telling people what to do. Like everyone was older than me and I, I felt like I've always been my, taught by my parents to treat my elders with respect. So like even if there was stuff that didn't go right on shoes, I would always, I'd bottle it up and I'd be like, I can't like, they're older than me. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, But at the end of the day, it was a learning curve. Like, and I never had anything to look towards doing. But I can, I'm, I'm very grateful to say that George has now gone on to do like loads of presenter stuff. Lily now has her own um, magazine. Like there's like loads of other people. Everyone that's come to work with me has, if anything, they've used SB as a stepping stone. I've given them the chance and they've gone on to do great things. So for that, I'm very, I'm very, I'm very grateful for. And I think like I'm, I'm, I'm 29 now. Like I started when I was like 14, 15. So I learned a lot. I've learned a lot in, in the time that, that, that I, that I've been doing this, I guess. And, and I find like, I'm, I'm quite deep in the game. It's like halfway into the career. I think like the next 10 years, the next decade, I'll be able to even um, do even more stuff. Fingers crossed. Yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, I was just uh, being a dick by saying shambles, but um, obviously like that's your core is always like discovering new artists. Like me and Adam given a few talks before lockdown. And one of the things we were talking about was like your career being like a tree. So in the beginning is the roots where you're trying lots of different stuff to see what works. Then the trunk of the tree is like, that's your career and that's what you double down and you focus on. But then once you've done that for like normally three to five years, then you can like start branching out after that and you can start trying new and different stuff. And it seems like that's what you did. You had your kind of core there, but then you were like, okay, the way to grow this is like always stay true to that core, but like just start reaching out in different places and trying new things. Because I mean, like the the hire of um, Georgia is like, that was kind of an interesting move because it's it's not the typical person that you would see talking about grime videos at that point, yeah. even though she knew loads about the scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I find that I, I always gave people the 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 benefit of the doubt and i always i always just like to do stuff against the grain of what a normal i always w was taught that that like not just to give people opportunities because i think that's right like try things out a little bit different and yeah like if all the hires that i've done like i've never really said been about like grades or what you what your results are i just wanted to know if you was passionate or not if you're passionate i want to give you a chance uh, I'll give you a go. Um, and that came with good good things and it came with bad things. It came with good things because I always gave people a chance, but it came with bad things where people necessarily wasn't, it was sort of their first job in that field and maybe might have not been experienced. So, but I always looked at it as a learning curve as we're, it's symbiotic, we're growing together, we're learning together, uh, whether that's the people I employ behind the scenes and the people that I put on the camera, I always try and make sure that it's like a, a healthy, um, a healthy balance, definitely. So where did the decision come from for you to to step forward and like kind of be the face of the brand? Because you weren't you weren't a singer, you weren't rapping, but you you really stepped forward. And, and at that time, we didn't really see that. Um, I think the the change of me actually becoming like forefront of the brand was obviously I've seen that loads of big brands and their founders 
And I think the Google Chrome advert was the time where I was like, okay, I'm going to step in front of the camera now. And that was like the biggest advert that Google had done, or one of the biggest adverts that year. Because it came out on like the X Factor ad break, the first X Factor ad break. And I was just like, I was sweating. Like, no, that's when it came out. And then that is where I was able to then build Jamaid was as a brand. And then that's a gift and a curse because it made me so busy where I, was in, where I wasn't able to focus on a brand. But then also it opened up new opportunities for me to build my personal brand where it was like SB and Jamal was like fighting each other. Like, which ones did like, oh, is this for SB or is this for Jamal? And it came with its good and bad, like everything. It came with its good and bad. But yeah, that was the time where I was able to like then put myself in front of the camera and start doing all these magazine interviews, like um, TV shows, all that sort of stuff. But it did help the brand. It helped like put it in front at that time. Yeah. Are you kind of selective about what you choose to do now in terms of that? Because I'm sure you probably get asked to do stuff all the time. Yeah, definitely. Like it's just got to be, it's got to be, I don't want to, less is more. Like I don't want to just do anything and everything. And there's no harm in like delaying things if it's not right for you at that period of time. So yeah, like I try and just be very, I've always been very like careful with what I've, what I picked to do because uh, I don't, I, a simple time is money. So it's like, wherever you're not spending doing your passion or planning or doing whatever that could go into something else. So I always try and manage my time a lot more. I've, I do it a lot more better now because I've got a much more structured team around me now compared to years ago. But um, yeah, it's, 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 it's good. Pick wisely. So as someone starting a business now, would you recommend that as a founder, it's worth coming out and being that kind of key person of influence within your business? Yes and no. The reason I say yes is because it will help and it can help you build up your business. But no, it's because it attracts away from your business. Like... And those are the, that's the things that you have to balance. Like me doing a talk somewhere, it would go against me being at doing a video shoot. And that's, those are the things that I have to balance on a regular basis, like of, of Jamal Edwards and the SBTV founder. But I find it much more easier to balance now because I've got a good team, whereas I can go and do the talk or whatever it is I need to do and a good team is handed in the music video shoot to make sure that it's getting delivered correctly um, and I find that that's been a big 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 part of having a good team. And for someone who doesn't have a team around them what have you learned that you could kind of say to someone who's getting started maybe? Literally look around you to who like even your immediate family if they can help like my mum was an accounts payable manager she could help me on my books but I don't think that I don't think that until like I don't like I, you just never know who's in your family basically and that could have been a really important thing to help me sort my finances out back in the day and get that all organized but I was always like just oh no, I'm not gonna ask my mom like why am I gonna ask my mom get involved I really think people should look at your immediate people around you to see if they can help and don't be afraid to ask for help I find that I was very like oh no I can't ask anyone for help they're not gonna understand what it is they can do but that was a mistake so yeah, if you're by yourself, you should look at your immediate team about how you can help. And also write down the things that you don't like doing and try and find people that do like doing them. And always be open because even Liam, who was my sort of first person that got involved, he was doing a, a thesis on on grime at Sheffield Uni. And I remember he came all the way down to meet me and he was like, you haven't got a site. Um, I'll start writing for you if you want. 
like if you help me on my thesis and get interviews with artists and interview with yourself and that was a good deal like, I was able to help him with that and he was able to write articles on my site and that that's the sort of partnership like you have to barter with because you're not gonna have money in the beginning like you might not have money in the beginning you might have money in the beginning and um, you just got to think like what are your services that you can do to help someone else and then try and get something back for them if there is no money involved and you have no team around you I found that that was a good way and I used I used that to my advantage a lot in the in the early days um you've watched so many artists that have kind of basically started from the bottom who've then like a lot of times with your help gone on to like achieve really really great things and i'm sure as well you've obviously you've probably seen artists that haven't grabbed it they haven't jumped on it and they've not been successful like what are some of the kind of main traits of the ones who go on and are really successful um i think some of the main traits is just like literally eating breathing and sleeping music like not turning off sort of not being also not not also being small-minded because at the same time an artist might be like i want to leave my job that i was doing but it might be very short-sighted to leave because they don't have no finance to be able to go into their music it's just about finding and managing your time correctly i find a lot of people that sort of gone on to be successful and manage their time correctly as well and not being not said not being a yes man a yes lady a yes man and doing everything i find that is quite an important factor into how an artist develops into a, a superstar yeah i find that 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 when i when i look at artists i think that's a big a big um factor of it but also having a having a good team is important as well yeah you mentioned like eat bleep, breathe and sleep the music I think what's interesting is then we look at your career and you eat, breathe and sleep the music as well, but you're not necessarily making the music. So whatever your thing is, like if you, if maybe you can't make it as a singer, but there might be another way for you to be completely involved in that world by doing something else. Yeah, I find that's the same with a lot of stuff. Like you have football, like obviously as a footballer, but then there's the water boy, the referee, the medic, the, there's so many different roles in football it's the same as music it's the same with acting like it's the same with pretty much everything and it's just about researching what is your passion and, and having a look and trying new things out because when you're younger you never know what it's going to be like like I remember I wanted to do be an artist I wanted to be a rapper I loved the wildlife like there was so much stuff I was into and it's just about finding the right thing that 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 suits you I guess yeah, I think that's really that's a really really good point because so many people will absolutely love music but have no physical music ability. Like they can't play an instrument, they can't sing, they can't rap, they can't do those things. But there are still so many ways you can get into the music industry that don't involve those things. Yeah, and I find that like, education is definitely the key in this of like educating yourself to find out what it is that what is actually out there. Um, and in what way do you educate yourself? I watch a lot of content on YouTube. I watch a lot of like interviews. Like I don't even I don't I don't even read as much as I should. In this period I've been trying to read obviously a lot more. But I watch a lot of um content. And me, I, I get inspired by other people's success. So when I see Dave do something amazing or Ratman do something amazing or Ed Sheeran do something amazing, I'm like, sick, I wanna do something amazing now. So I, I buzz off other people's success and that gives me the sort of the soft belief to just carry on and keep on going because these are my peers. Like, like I essentially grew up with them in, within the music industry 
and um yeah so yeah that's so beautiful because most people's most people's view is like they look at that and they get jealous of it or it, it holds them back or they think that i'd never be able to achieve that but you use it to drive you forward yeah i definitely that's that's the way i don't if if no one if people aren't like that i don't know man that's just that's that's just mad if you're not like that like how can i not like inspire you like i see sick videos online i follow like like black magic pocket cinema on Instagram and I just see like other um, cinematographers and DOPs creating sick videos and I'm like, wow, that looks sick. I want to do that. Like, and I'll just, I'll go and learn about it. Yeah, it's good. It's just about being open, isn't it? Because you never know where you're going to get inspiration from. And I think like a lot of people live in very sort of closed, they, they consume one kind of content, but like, obviously you, you'll look in multiple different places because you never know where you're going to operation. Mm, yeah. Like you saying fucking samples, I'll show you. <laughs> 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 Little comments like that just keep does that, me... Does that drive you on? Yeah, you... mate. I'm just like, what do you mean? That's years ago. I was younger then. Like, it just make me just... You know what I'm saying? I'm just like, okay, cool. I just take that. I'll take that. I'm I'll saying it with love, I'll baby. Tra- I'll transform that into positive vibes. Like, so, like for example, so, some people might have taken like, what, like, do you know what I'm saying? But I take that and just be like, do you know what? We move. Like, I just got to, like, I'm, I'm always on a, on a, on an ever growing path. And I, and the thing about me is, I, I will acknowledge that, um, in the past things weren't necessarily as great as they are, as they were. But like, I'm always on the on the path of like evolving myself and growing myself. And I find that that's always been like, when I was a little bit younger, I was very like, um, I was stuck in a world. I was very like, it's this way or not, or it's, I'm very like ignorant sometimes because I didn't know any better. Um, but now like, as I've grown up and I've like matured as, as a, as a, as a man, it's, it's, uh, it's like much more refreshing to like take constructive criticism and, and take it on board and, and carry on moving forward. If you could go back and talk to that younger self now, what would you say to him? I'd say I'd I'd ha- like have much more structure. Like, don't be such an erratic, like mad. Like, it was just such a crazy world for me. I was traveling the world. Like, I I've done a lot of stuff. Like, I feel like I've like in my thirteen years or whatever, I've done a lot of stuff before I'm even thirty. Like, and I find that like when I'm thirty, I'm gonna start again like a new decade and, and try and break some new boundaries. But like, when I look back at it, or at what, what the journey I've been on, it was very like winging it a little bit because I had nothing to look at. So whether it's the videos, whether it's the traveling, whether it's the ideas, whether it's the people I employ or whatever, it was just very like going with my gut instinct. Whereas now the internet is older. There's much more things out there to do. There's like, and I find that I've got a very good team around me a very good um, structure I'm able to aim and be like right, I'm going to do that now whereas before when I first started I would have said I had I got an MBE at like 24 I would have been like yeah right but now <laughs> like when I'm 30 I'll look at for the next 10 years and I'll aim really high and even if I get knocked back down or I don't make it at least I've aimed high because when I was younger I never used to aim high I just used to do it and just like just go with the flow sort of thing do you have like a North Star like something you're always aiming for I, I really want to like, I'm I'm from St. Vincent and I really want to like buy some land there, start building studios, maybe build some schools that like, invest there. Like I, I 
recently set up Delve, which is like a charity to help young people of Elin. And we reopened four youth centres. So like, I want to do more stuff um, around that and start building that out and just give them more opportunities for people. Just keep on trying to give opportunities in whatever walks of life it is that you are. Like I saw yesterday that a, a, a girl on um, Twitter was doing a fundraising for um, a series around some black students based up in Midlands that are going to university. And you don't really see that sort of story being told within like black culture. And I find that quite interesting. And obviously I knew June Sarpong, who's like the creative diversity, actually's uh, heads up creative diversity at BBC. And they've just announced a hundred million pound fund. And I said to the girl, I know June, I can connect that. I don't want anything, but like, I think that like, you should have a chat. Do you know what I'm saying? It's just little things like that, even though I might not necessarily benefit from it. I don't need to benefit from it. It's just about connecting worlds. Um, and I want to do a lot more of that because the worlds that I've been in and the people that I've met over the years, it's been like, just, I'm very thankful and grateful that I've been able to do that. But now I want to try and feed that back to my audience, people that I don't even know, like, I'm, I'm on that spread the wealth there's enough for us out here spread the love 100 percent. that's yeah that's amazing i think we've like we've got quite a few mutual friends and like whenever you come up in conversation that's one thing that people always say is that you're a connector mm-hmm. or you're always bringing bringing people together and i know what you said is completely true of like you don't want anything from it but it is also a big to to just connect those things may like probably nothing will come from it for you but people will always remember that you made that connection and then later on down the line they're going to connect you with someone and it's all good karma and it's all it all works yeah 100 percent. that's that's what i agree because some 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 people that when i've connected people and then they've cut a deal and then i and then i've told someone and they're like what you didn't get anything like that i was like bro like it's calm man don't worry my time will come man like and i obviously i'm very at peace and content with how how what how i live in it so i'm not i'm not like yearning off it but people be like yeah but you could be more rich or you could be more this and i'm just like i'm fine <laughs> like let me just like that's a, that's a very like meditate i don't meditate that's a very like um peaceful way of thinking because otherwise i'll be trying to grab everything and percentages of everything and some people are like that and they may be well more successful than me or whatever but i'm fine at going at my rate at what i'm going at because otherwise I'll get swallowed up if I was very if I was motivated by that. And maybe if it's not me, then I'll have someone in my team that is that is that's their job to just like like make sure there's fair deals. Like even when I'm working with artists, I, I want fair deals. I don't want like the standard deals. Like people send me standard deals. I was like, no, I want it in favour of the artist. I don't wanna I don't want the artist ten years later or five years later to look at the deal and be like, Jamal bumped me. I ain't on that. Like, I don't want that that rep. I'd rather just not do it at all. And that's just learning, like learning. Because I used to have loads of people around me that used to tell me loads of stuff. And I never used to actually make my own decisions. Whereas now I'm like quite, whatever I say sort of goes, but I always like to take other people's opinions as well. Yeah, it's the same with us. Like we'll we'll listen to all of the opinions, but at the end of the day, like we have, we have the, the decision-making power. Yeah, that's important. You said whenever you're interviewing artists, you always say to them, what's something that no one knows about you? So, uh, Jamal, what's uh, something that no one knows about you? I'm going to have my own allotment. Oh, shit. <laughs> I was popping random, <laughs> innit? I was popping random. I don't know why, but I want to grow, like, my own, like... That's not what I expected. Yeah, like, David Attenborough to the wildlife. What OG. Um, yeah, no, I've been looking into creating my own allotment, which is proper random. And like one of my friends has one, and I've been speaking to a few other people that have them as well. 
and like they've been going there in in this lockdown period and and I saw like they've been growing like patroy what they grow like strawberries bananas apples I was like you know what I want my own allotment there's a long waiting list you wouldn't believe it for to get an allotment but yeah, yeah. I, I want to like create my own allotment and like yeah that'd be sick man grow my own produce and that random but I think it'd be fun I feel like it'd be interesting to see if, if you create content around that allotment what kind of stuff you would do because again it's like taking two things that are completely different putting them together and just to see what comes out of it yeah because I made I, I did some content with Chris Packham um, and I made like a bug house, which I put over there, which like, there's loads of sticks and, t- and, and, and stuff for like bugs that are out there, which I, I find interesting. I've always had a passion for wildlife, but yeah, like I, I don't know how I'd film the content, but it could be an interesting thing. So how do you keep your content engaging? Because obviously when you started, no one else was really doing this sort of stuff, but now it's kind of a crowded space. If someone's a content creator now, how are they going to keep their stuff fresh? Um, so six of these rules that I always say is, or five or six rules and try and tick to is the content, be entertaining, uh, either entertaining, funny, scary, nostalgic, not covered by mainstream media, but like, I always say those like factors, when you're making content, try and tick at least two of those factors. I always find nostalgic content just like get so much shares like when it makes when it proper yeah, like definitely. gets in people's feelings like whether that's pokemon or like i remember i saw some pokemon meme and it just had like tens of thousands of retweets <laughs> i was like what the hell um because people it, it really pulls out your emotions um and for me when i first started it was not being covered by mainstream media so a lot of the content i was making wasn't being covered by mainstream media and it was entertaining so i found that really helped me that really helped me figure out what it is that i wanted to do so yeah, people that are making content now, try and look at those factors and try and work that into into your content. And if it hasn't been done before, think like that's the reason why you should do it even more. Because I, I remember talking to some people, they'll look at stuff, it hasn't been done though. So what? That's your unique selling point. That's your gap going to market. Boom, do it. And they're like, true. And the other thing is try and look at problem solving. Like, look at your problem and try and solve it. So... My problem was I couldn't find the videos that I wanted to watch online. I had them on DVDs, but I didn't have it. And it was so simple, but then consistency helped me once I was able to upload videos. The consistency allowed me to push forward even more. And I, I looked at an example of um, someone made an app where you jump off the tube, you jump straight off of the exit and it tells you what cabs to jump on. I think that it got like millions of downloads because that was obviously thousands thousands of other people's problems of when you're jumping off a tube at a busy thing you don't want to walk through the whole platform so it's like again like try and solve problems and you're hopefully solving a whole bunch of other people's problems which will then help you so back to what you said there about if you can find something that no one's done before like just go for it how do you do that if there's not already a market for it like how do you get people to know that this is a new thing and that you should listen to it i don't know what i find like it's just a natural gravitas like because when I first started, people just, they just got in touch with me because they just saw it and they like, thought it was exciting and that sort of helped me. Um, it, there wasn't like a specific thing. It was just, I think it was just so new and the people that I was filming, I don't know, that's, it's a, that's a diff... I suppose when they see it, it will feel right. Yeah, like for them, do you know what I'm saying? I never force anyone to, yeah, yeah. Um, but I've always been open. That's the, that's the thing. I never force anyone, but I've always been open because like, especially when you're growing 
it's like you're already dealing with whatever stresses you're going through of making your business a success. But when you're bringing someone else on, they have to be willing to take on that stress as well. You don't want to force that person into the stress. But if they're willing to jump on a journey with you, then cool, you recognise that and you move forward. But you never will be like, come, let's go, let's go. Because at the end of the day, if you're not patterned up properly, you're just bringing your stress onto them. And I, I don't necessarily want to do that. And that's not the case now, but I'm just thinking about people that when they're starting their businesses, like of what they might be going through or what they have to actually question themselves before they get other people involved. And then it's also, once you're employing people, making sure like you're providing for them now. Like, like you've got to always make sure you're updating yourself to make sure that they're able to provide food on their f- table for their families. And it's like just building up and you've just got to be open like for change, open for honest discussion. Um, and then hopefully you'll have a good working relationship with whoever it is that you end up employing or working with. So last question then, I know you wrote the, a whole book on it, but how do people unlock their self-belief? Like the thing that I find when talking to people about self-belief is like some people will be like, I haven't found it yet, how do I get it? And I think the big question in that is like, it's never too late to find your self-belief. Obviously I found my self-belief when I was uh, 15, 14, 15, Whereas some people might be like, but you were so young when you were doing that. I'm like 30, I still haven't found myself. But this is the question that people ask me. I'm like, it doesn't matter. You carry on doing what you're doing and it will come to you. Um, because I find even if you like, like, I don't know, 70, 80, whatever, and you find it then, like, it doesn't matter. At least, at least you found it. And don't be closed because people will close themselves off when they hit a certain age. They're like, all right. I'm like 30 now, I'm 40, there's nothing I could do. I'm never gonna be able to be an entrepreneur. I'm never gonna be I'm never gonna have that self-belief. That's the wrong mindset straight away. You've just gotta like be open. Again, just be open for change. Even if you've had an illustrious career in a certain field for like 20 years and you're able to leave it and set up your own thing, like be open to that. Like don't think when you get past a certain age that you're not able to go do something that is a bit more like uh, of a risk taking, like setting up your own business. And the same thing, if you're younger, don't think you're you're never too young enough to start your business. It's both sides of the spectrum. Because then you'll get people that'll be like, I'm not old enough to start my business. Again, that's the wrong mindset to have. Don't matter, you can carry, start your business whenever, whenever, what age, like whatever, what age, like, and I find that's the, that's the self-belief. There is no age limit with self-belief. It can come uh, whenever. It's almost like just don't compare yourself to other people. Like it doesn't matter what other people are doing. Just think about yourself and whatever situations you're in and like look at what opportunities are open to you. Don't think, oh, well, that person got that opportunity. I'm never going to get that. Like just find your own path because you will find it if you just keep going for it. Yeah, basically, yeah. Chase your dreams like the competition, 100%. Boom. Amazing. Uh, so much gold in here, man. Thank you so much. Um, where can people find you online? Um, Jamal Edwards across most platforms, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, I think. I think Facebook is Jamal Edwards. I don't know what the actual URL is, but... Or just down at the allotment. Yeah, down at the allotment coming soon. Amazing. Hey, guys, before you go, we've got a little competition for you. Every week as part of this Adobe partnership, we're giving away a free mentoring session with us, the Creative Rebels, and a year subscription to Adobe Creative Cloud. And for the full runners up each week, we're also giving away another three years worth of Adobe Creative Cloud. Inspired by this week's guest, Jamal Edwards, we want you to experience filmmaking on the go, much like Jamal, using Premiere Rush. 
whether it's music, sport, or whatever you're into, we want you to create a short 30 second video using Premiere Rush about your passion, whatever that could be. If you've never used Premiere Rush before, there's some great tutorials on Adobe's website, so go and check them out. And if you don't have Creative Cloud already, you can go to creativerebels.co forward slash Adobe for a free trial. The winners will be selected by myself and David in two weeks from the Davis launches. To enter, use the hashtag AdobeXCreativeRebels. And remember, always be creating. See ya.